I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome back. We are on the third episode now of Anxiety, and I want to start off again by just reminding us where we've come from, and we talked about how we can trust God. He is a much better master than money or anything we could pursue in the world, that he provides for us, knows all of the details of our lives, and will take care of us. Uh, We need to trust him. What we're talking about here when we're talking about anxiety is the type of anxiety that we most often experience in life when we are pursuing earthly treasure, pursuing the things of the world that lead to anxiety. We're not talking about the type of crippling anxiety that uh, if you are experiencing, we urge you to go get help. And that could be talking to a therapist. It could be getting medication. There is nothing wrong with that. We encourage you to to pursue that if that is how you're feeling. Um, for all of us, Jesus's words are life, and we, we want to pay attention to what he's saying here as we move through this. So let's refresh by looking at the scripture, Vane. You want to read it? Yes. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you. So last time we talked about the birds and what we can learn, learn from them. Now we're going to look at the flowers of the field. Jesus tells us to see how they grow. And the word he uses for see is closely related to the word translated disciple. He's telling us to learn from the lilies. A disciple is a learner. What is the lesson we are to take from them? So I think that... Um you know, you don't see when you when you are dealing with plants, 
you never see a plant straining. <laughs> you never see you never see a tree sort of you know they're not straining. What happens with a true with a plant when it grows is a natural process that is you know obviously it it it's contingent on the soil and the sun and the rain and all of these things, but it happens naturally. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that uh, I think that what Jesus is saying here is that if our if our if our devotion is in the right place, if we are if we are number one devoted to God, that He will see to it that all of the factors come together so that we can so that we can flourish so that we will have what we need so that we can so that we can grow Um, and that it happens it happens in time it happens slowly you don't plant a seed and the next day have a uh, a rose bush that it happens through the course of time yeah it reminds me of what you were just saying reminds me of the what Jesus told his disciples in John, where he was saying that he about the vine and remaining in him. If you're if you're in the 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 ground and nutrients that that God provides, you will you will grow. Yeah, two two scriptures that came up over and over again when I was looking at what the early Christians were saying about this were Proverbs ten three and Psalm thirty seven twenty five. Um, Proverbs ten three says, "The Lord will not." Uh, let the righteous go hungry or mm. let mm. them die by famine. Um, and then Psalm 37 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging for their bread. Mm. Uh, and so this is, uh, a, these are promises and, and just truths that have been observed. Um, and here it's a promise, you know, Jesus is like, I'm going to take care of you, right? The like, father is going to mm. take care of you. And, from like an argument from the less to the greater, right? He's taking care of the things that are going to be gone by tomorrow. So he'll take care of us too. I love that you brought Psalm 37 into this. Uh, Both of those scriptures are great. Uh, 37 though uh, talks about not fretting throughout. Mm -hmm. It's a really good one. Um, I I was just thinking about this. You know, I, I mentioned in passing before about how sometimes I can hear we can be at church and, and well-meaning people can say, just don't worry. It's all going to be fine. Everything will be taken care of. God's got you. Everything's taken care of. And how unhelpful that comment truly is, because it doesn't necessarily feel that way, and I don't see that. And I love what Jesus does here, because he's actually giving concrete examples about God, how mm-hmm. God cares for his creation and how God meets his creation's needs. He gives birds everything they need to meet all their needs. Then he talks about the lil, you know, the, the lilies of the field. They do they don't do anything and God gives them everything they need. Mm-hmm. He he provides um he provides he, using this in the context of clothing and he's talking about how he provides for everything they've ever needed. Uh, in Deuteronomy 8, that was the scripture yeah. we were talking about, how God says, your clothes did not wear out, you always had enough food. I'm obviously paraphrasing. I don't have it open right this second. Um, and Jesus, I love that Jesus is giving concrete examples, not just sort of talking in, um, you know, 
religious jargon. Yeah. He's giving concrete examples about how God has cared for her, his creation and how he's currently caring for his creation and how obviously we still there's still a large element of faith we need to actually engage this and to actually trust but he's also showing us examples that instead of just saying we'll just trust yeah. he's saying no here's an example you you know that it's almost like it feels to me like he's saying you know this you've seen this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. come back and remember that i i like what you're saying there it really does it paints god in such a an engaged sense that he's he's looking at the details of these birds lives and and then uh i mean you, you, if you compare the lilies of the field the flowers of the field to birds uh, who are always going around we talked about how they're like picking things out to make their nests and they're always well those flowers seem downright lazy in comparison <laughs> They're not doing anything. They're, they're not just, even moving. They're not even moving. Uh, they just sit around all day, and and God takes care of them. And I think that's an amazing picture too. That God is so engaged that He uh, cares about. He takes the time to adorn the flowers of the field with such beauty. They are beautiful. And uh, you're right. It's a le- another a lesser to a greater example. Uh, well, doesn't He care about us? Won't he take care of us? Yeah. I think, Jim, uh, you know, remembering what you said in a past podcast about the audience and how famine and poverty was a reality for a lot of these people. And uh, the way that Jesus is communicating with them is so loving and so beautiful and so patient. Uh, when I, when Shemitra and I first got married, um, one of the things she said to me is, don't tell me to calm down. <laughs> she she would be upset too. about something, and I would say, calm down. And her instant response is, I am calm! <laughs> because the, the demanding that you calm down created more anxiety for yeah. her. And that Jesus is helping the people with their anxiety, but not by saying, look, stop worrying about it. I got it. It, it. It's not that short, terse kind of commanding type of master. He He's showing them things that are abundantly clear right in front of them. Think about the flowers. See how beautiful they are? See how well-dressed the flowers are? They're not worried about what they look like. They're not worried about how they're dressed. And it, it, it immediately gives you a sense of, yes, the one who's taking care of me, the one who's seeing to my, to the agriculture of my soul is going to handle it. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. At the same time, I kind of want to ask another question about this based on what you were saying, Jim, because you also had in there a piece where you know, maybe I can imagine someone saying, well, I'm not clothed like Solomon, or maybe God hasn't even clothed me, period. How, how would we address someone who might be feeling that? Well, I would want to know, first of all, kind of what they're, what they're thinking, the, the thought behind the question is, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that a question where we're at trying to ask, well, I'm not clothed in splendor, um, because to Jesus's audience, the idea of being clothed in splendor to at least uh, a, a fair portion of them would have actually been abhorrent. 
to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would have they they didn't like that. They didn't trust that. They the people who clothed them clothes them words are hard, clothed themselves in I've said that word too much today. Uh clothed <laughs> themselves in splendor. They didn't trust them, they didn't like them, they didn't think they were honoring God. Um so that that would be kind of my first pass answer at that is that it, but also that he clo- he gave the lilies what they needed and mm. then he made them greater than what he gave them. Mm. Yeah. And I I think for us in addressing that one thing that we don't have that Jesus had is perfect vision into someone's soul. Right. So yeah. Jesus could give this sermon and know this is exactly what people needed. We have to ask a few questions before we get there. Yeah. And I know when I'm helping my daughter calm down about some issue at school, um, she just started school as a freshman in college. And when I tell her, calm down, it's going to be fine, that doesn't work. She's just like her mother. You haven't learned that lesson yet? I've learned it the hard way (laughs) because I'm not that bright. I I keep learning that lesson too. (laughs) But when I say to her, so remember when you had to do your capstone project when you were a senior in high school? And she says, yes. And I say, remember what that was, tell me what that was like. And she'll tell me about how hard she had to work. And this part of it was hard, and I had to overcome this part of it. And I'd say, and what was the grade that you got on that? And she says, I got a B on that. And then then I say, that's just like this, is taking the time to help the person to realize. Because for me, when my worry, the bottom of my worry is always I might die. So any issue my car needs to be repaired and I get very anxious about my car. And why am I anxious about my car? Well, because if I don't have my car, I won't be able to get to work. If I can't get to work, I won't have money. If I don't have money, I can't buy food and pay rent. If I can't buy food and pay rent, then I'm gonna be on the street. If I'm on the street and I can't eat, I'm gonna die. That's how, that's how my anxiety and my worry works in my mind. And so if I go back to things that I have overcome, and I just asked my question, I just asked myself the question, it was really hard, what was the result? I, I didn't die, I, I survived. <laughs> I'm still here. I, I survived. Yeah. And if I can then say, equate that with my faith and say I survived because God is with me, mm. God is looking out for me, God is protecting me, then it, it, it helps me to overcome that cycle of worry. I, I'm going to share something here, which I, I think I've shared with a few of you, but uh, I can relate to what you, you were just saying there with some of my uh, fears. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I was a kid, uh, after my parents divorced, uh, my brother and I and my sister all lived in with my dad in someone else's basement for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it was a pretty stressful time. And then when we finally got a place of our own, um, I was still sharing a bedroom with my dad and my brother. And uh, my sister always got her own room, uh, which made sense, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't always have electricity. And we didn't always have garbage pickup. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and it was a very if uh, and I didn't always have um, enough clothes or food or and luckily I had like the the special card that I could get food at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty stressful time, and so I, I it's it's I. It, it's in me somehow. Like mm-hmm. I take that with me and I sometimes I'll have this fear. Oh no. And uh, things are going to go sideways and I got to protect from that mm-hmm. instead of thinking, Oh, you know what? God actually took me through that. Mm-hmm. I'm still here. That was stressful, but we didn't, we didn't starve and we are all okay. We're, we're okay. God, God didn't let us go hungry in the end, right? Um, I think one thing I, I really appreciate you sharing that story because that's yeah. a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to man to, to go through, especially as a kid where you're mm-hmm. like, wait, I, I'm hungry. And you hear, you know, those of us that are parents never want to give our kid say, no, buddy, you're not eating. Now, sometimes in the case of my son, he's saying I'm hungry, which actually means I'm bored. And he just wants to eat for the sake of eating, so I will say, no, I'm not a monster, I promise. Um, but nobody wants to ever be in that situation with their kids, and that's a really hard situation. And I think what that reminds me of is he says, uh, you know, he says, see is closely related to the word disciple, which means to learn. And the idea that, like, learning doesn't just happen by telling in this, in these people's world, it happens by experience. Yeah. Like Jesus isn't telling them, "Hey, just just don't worry <laughs> and move on with your life." He there is an expectation that it happens from going through things that can be worrisome and making hard choices to trust God and making hard choices to um to choose to do the right thing and to believe the right thing and then coming out on the other side. And I think about what Matt just shared about we might not have had electricity. That's an extreme example, and we are not hoping anybody else is going through that. But there is an element of this is a thing that we have to learn over time. It's not just a thing we get one time it's something we have to go through and live and experience yeah i think you're right there's something to this where and i know most people won't like this i don't like this i wish there was another way but we are conformed to christ often by suffering Mm -hmm. and that builds our faith in a way that easy street doesn't so um (laughs) yeah it's tough uh, but I think the other thing that I was thinking about as we were talking about how would we address this for someone who might be thinking, oh, I'm not clothed. Well, if you're a disciple of Christ, you are clothed with Christ. So that's a pretty awesome clothing right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't help necessarily if you're, you're, uh, you got a pit in your stomach and you're like, I'm starving. But uh, in some senses, uh, our life is more than our food and clothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I also would add to that that if somebody really if somebody really is in a situation where they don't have food to eat, I will give you my food. 
Like I, you can have my, you can have my lunch. I'm not gonna, I don't need it that bad. I can miss a meal. Um, I'll give you my food. And that's, and that's how God initially called his people to live. And I think I was hoping hoping we could get there, but God called His people to actually make provisions for the people who had no way to get food for themselves. He uh, we see it in the Book of Ruth they, mm-hmm. that He calls His people to not cut some of the corners of their fields so that the alien, the orphan, the widow, the people who truly can't get food in their world, who have no mechanism to get it, they have something. Um, and, and so I think. That person who truly has no food, no food, no clothing, um, that's where the pe- God's people are yeah. called to start to help that person and take care of them and to you know, give them some food and clothing with no strings attached to it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a huge point that we, we need to be mindful of when we're reading this um i mean when you asked that question matt originally of like what do you say to someone who doesn't have anything and i was struggling with that coming into this knowing that all of us are pretty affluent mm-hmm. um by like we're all, all firmly in whatever you would call middle class america which is a fuzzy term but the so i was i you know but i know that there are i have many brothers and sisters who are not in that situation mm-hmm. wish, you know, oh, I wish we had actually had someone who's there. So I'm, I appreciate you sharing from your experience, Matt, of when things were different um, in your life. But there's this, um, you know, we'll get to it later. It talks about seeking first the kingdom, right, mm-hmm. and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about the, um, the passage in, I think, Mark, where Jesus says, yeah, anyone who gives up, you know, brothers, sisters, mothers, fields for the sake of the gospel will receive a hundred times more. And there's a, we're, we're giving up our trust in the structures and possessions that we have um, in hope that God will provide, in trust that God will provide for us. And that's a, a beautiful part of what the church can be and so for for um, those of us who's probably most of the people listening to this who are in a position where I have more to give than I need to receive, you know that there's an opportunity to be a part of an incredible blessing um, for for others by grabbing hold of this promise of not not worrying and and striving and grabbing. Yeah, yes, and the church should be a place where you should feel free to ask for help if you need it and not feel shame or guilt. And I know when I was going through that period of time, I didn't want to have anyone to come over to the house. I didn't want anyone to, to see what this thing was. I wanted to just pretend everything was okay. And um, it, that's not what the family of God is supposed to be like. It's supposed to be okay to, to be real. Wow. Wow. Uh, this has been a good discussion, and I really appreciate w- – there was a lot to learn there from just thinking about the flowers of the field. <laughs> God loves us, and he, is, he cares about every detail of our lives and knows every detail of our lives. And even if we are suffering through a tough period, 
Uh, I'm thinking now about the the vines, the analogy uh, that I was thinking about from what you were saying, Van, earlier, that uh, the vines, oftentimes when they have to struggle for that that uh, nutrients, uh, when they have a hard year, it produces even better wine. So there could be a, a period of time where you are struggling right now, uh, but if you continue to hold on to God, he will sustain you and get help. You know, that's what the church is supposed to be there for, too. So I want to thank everyone for this discussion. Yeah, we'll come back to this. It's, it's-